Welcome to the Beeson Podcast coming to you from Beeson Divinity School on the campus of Samford University. Now your hosts, Doug Sweeney and Kristen Padilla. Welcome to the Beeson Podcast. I am Doug Sweeney here with my co-host, Kristen Padilla, and we are delighted to welcome you to the program. We have two Beeson graduates with us today who also happen to be married. We have invited them to talk to us about their respective ministries, what it's like to minister together as a couple, and who they have become since their time together at Beeson. Kristen, would you please introduce these two dear friends? Welcome, everyone, to the Beeson Podcast. We are delighted to have Jacob and Suzanne Simmons. Both are graduates of Beeson, having earned their Master of Divinity degrees. Jacob is the Minister to Single Adults and Pastoral Care at Shades Mountain Baptist Church here in Birmingham, and Suzanne is a chaplain at UAB Hospital. And I should add that they have two beautiful children. So welcome to the Beeson Podcast. Thanks so much for having us. Thanks for having us. Let's, be, let's begin with a brief introduction of each of you. Where are you from? How did you come to faith in Jesus Christ? How did you meet? And then maybe a word about what brought you to Beeson. Yeah. Okay, I'll go first. Um, so originally I am from Lakeland, Florida. Central Florida and grew up there my whole life. Actually, my parents are still there. And uh, I came to faith in Jesus Christ as a, as a little girl. I grew up in the church. My granddad was a minister um, and we spent a lot of time going to church. So I, at VBS, when I was eight years old, I um, confessed Jesus as Lord and was baptized a few months later and really have been on the journey as a believer since those those formative days. So I don't really remember a time that I did know about Jesus, and I think that's been a grace um, in my life for sure. Um, then how did I end up at Beeson? Well, I met Jacob, an undergrad, actually at Sanford in 2004. Um, we didn't get married until 2013, so there's some time in between there. Yeah, that's a different podcast. That's a long, that's a different story. <laughs> but um, we met, yeah, many moons ago and then came to Beeson separately. So um, I came in 2008, started, and I was really discerning a call to ministry at Sanford and my undergrad experience. And then my senior year felt really pulled towards theological education and had a good mentor friend who had gone to Beeson and that was good enough for me. It was an amazing place by all understanding. And so that's how I got here. It was, I feel like, again, the Lord's providence for sure. Uh, I am from Hendersonville, Tennessee, which is just north of Nashville. I was born to Christian parents who took us to church and at age nine at Vacation Bible School, had the opportunity to respond to Jesus in faith and say that while I could not have given you all the Trinitarian doctrine, I knew that uh, I was a sinner in need of Jesus. And so we laugh now. We get really excited at Vacation Bible School Week. You know, we're a large Southern Baptist church, and the programs have been around for a long time. And yet, when you see the body come together to teach children about Jesus, uh, it's a great thing. And it was those volunteers, those lay leaders at Vacation Bible School that wanted to give to the children and uh, responded to Jesus. And 
it was was truly a, a moment of repentance and uh, regeneration for me. Um, I did come to Samford, uh, studied business here, and then right after that came to came to BSIM. So I'm going to do a quick plug for the MDiv MBA program because I got a chance to do that and I loved it. All the students who come in with a business background get a significant number of classes off the MBA taken off. And so I did that. I looked at it and it was kind of a no-brainer, dollars and cents that, hey, I can take just a few extra classes and come out of uh, seminary with an MBA as well. Knowing that I wanted to pastor, I thought that would be an invaluable uh, piece of education. And so did three years doing the divinity school during the day and business school at night. And uh, it was a good, hard three years. And uh, I think the Lord has used that in a number of ways. We'd love to hear from both of you about your ministry journeys and about whether there were many surprises along the way for you. Did you expect that you'd be doing what you're doing now, even as you came to be so? Yeah, that's interesting. I, Because uh, I would say that where we are now uh, is probably would have been expected, but the journey to get there was really unexpected. So I graduated from Beeson in 2009, which was a terrible time to try to find a job. Mm-hmm. The economy had just hit. If there were other ministers, I was at the bottom of the food chain. And so I prayed through uh, what serving would look like. And I went on the mission field for a year, serving with London City Mission, an organization I had actually connected with here at Beeson. They put me in touch. And so I did one year in London, uh, placed at a church plant in North London. My experience with churches had been these large mega churches, for lack of a better word. And then there I was serving a Church of England church plant in the projects of North London with 15 people in a room half this size. And you realize, oh, that the church can look like that as well. For the first time I really experienced that, that this is what it looks like for the church to be a light and a dark place. And I loved it. I, I just really took to it well. And so uh, coming back to Birmingham for about a year and a half before I moved to Chicago to be a part of some church planting efforts there and uh, ended up not planting a church, uh, but was on staff at a church in Chicago, which was a, a more mid-sized church in uh, urban Chicago, but again, seeing how uh, the church can be a light in a dark place like a, a big city like that. And uh, with not something that was on my radar when I was at Beeson, but an experience that has absolutely impacted me to where um, truly formative experiences of, of doing that kind of work. Yeah, I. it's funny to think what I... I what I thought vocational ministry looked like when I was at Beeson, I probably had a couple things, <laughs> couple uh, images of that as far as being a woman. And um, I probably thought I could do student ministry or children's ministry or something else that I didn't know. I mean, I really, I think in my mind, vocational ministry was sort of a, a giant question mark. I, I didn't really know. Um, I just felt the Lord moving me towards that. And towards a pastoral calling and towards theological education. And that was an interesting conversation to have with my parents, you know, to say, yeah, I feel called to do this. I have no idea what it's going to look like on the other side. Um, Thankfully, I did have a few female female mentors and ministers in my community that I, that I could look to, but even those were few, you know, so um, I don't know. I think I, it, it was a pretty big question mark when I was here and and then what it's looked like since then, it's looked like a little bit of everything. I, I did college ministry at a local church here in Birmingham for a couple years before getting married. And then up in Chicago, I worked in a at the church, but not in a um, ministerial position. And that was really challenging, but really kind of served to further confirm my call to pastoral ministry and pastoral care. 
And then when we landed back here in Birmingham, clinical pastoral education kind of came on my radar. And again, I had heard about it and had a couple friends who had who had gone through that um, and then decided to pursue that here at UAB. And it was like official water. I, I, it just, it, things just kind of started making sense. And, and a lot of the things that had been shaped in me through my different experiences and especially at Beeson sort of came together in that place as a, as a, as a ministry context. So yeah, it's looked, it's been very surprising. Definitely was not planning on being a hospital chaplain when I was here in, at Beeson. So thankfully the Lord has, has, as he does, organized and ordained those steps and yeah, brought it together. Jacob, uh, talk to us now about your ministry at Shades. What does your uh, role there look like? I know we said that you're the minister to singles and pastoral care. Uh, What does that ministry look like and how is it maybe different um, from the ministries that you've already mentioned that you were involved with both in London and Chicago? Yeah. So the single adults, we have a a growing, exciting single adult ministry. It's basically all the adults, 22 and up out of college that are unmarried. Um, We have programming, programming, I say programming, Sunday school, small groups, discipleship groups, service opportunities. So uh, Susanna's our best Sunday school teacher, and I say that uh, both biased and unbiased. She is the very best. But a young professionals class of 22 to 26-year-olds that uh, come and are bright-eyed, I'd say it's different doing college ministry. It's similar in a lot of ways, but then with none of the arrogance, because life has kind of beat them up a couple times, which is uh, which is kind of fun. So they're ready to listen, and they're there, and great people. You know, a lot of the trends of 22 to 26-year-olds is they're not going to church, but these are the people who are, and it's a real treat uh, to minister to them. And another young professionals class, 27 to 35-ish, and then a new Sunday school class for 40 to 60-year-olds, and then older classes, divorce care. Uh, we have service projects, small groups, all the things that a church would offer, and then some things that the regular church, uh, the rest of the church would do that they can be a part of serving together. The pastoral care piece is uh, honestly a piece that I got shortly after Suzanne started working at the hospital and seeing how her experiences of being a chaplain have informed me as a minister just in our conversations and talking about it. So that's our benevolence ministry, our encouragement ministries, um, some other partnerships of how we can um, visit people in the hospital, visit people who need help, uh, connect with those, serve people who are uh, just need a little extra love at that season of their life. And so I kind of oversee some of that stuff and it's been good. Can I ask a follow-up question? Yeah, of course. Sometimes we hear from single Christians who are singles that they often feel maybe ignored in in churches or overlooked. For those of us listening who are not single, how could we better minister Mm. to singles in our churches? Mm -hmm. That's a great question. question. One of the things that I I tell our singles is that the church will not feel like they're doing less than, but if they, say, have a thriving children's ministry, which our church does, there's going to be a spotlight there. And just because there's a spotlight there doesn't mean there's less light anywhere else, but it does feel like it a little bit. And so... uh, We have to work a little extra hard with our language, with how we validate that God uses marriage, God uses singleness both to edify us, to make us holy. so really being aware, asking single adults, what are your needs? What are the things that you can, um, how can you love these people? I would truly like to work myself out of a job to where there's more uh, interconnectedness between young singles and young marrieds. They're going through a lot of the same things, which is finding yourself, finding your calling, going through those questions. So ideally, uh, there would be more intersection between singles and marrieds. But 
with the way our church is structured, we do get to minister to those singles. And then, uh, and sometimes we do just get to talk about the things that they need to talk about in specific ways, which is always a gift. To answer your question specifically, finding single adults and having them in your home, making them a part of your family. You can't have all 50 over in your home, but find one or two uh, and let them know that you love them and continue to, to have them in your home because many of them are away from home. They'd love to be around a table. They love just seeing kids or having a, a home-cooked meal for more than one or more than them and a roommate. It's, that's low-level stuff, but it really, really goes a long way. Would you agree, Suzanne? Oh, yeah. I think recognizing them as full-functioning, thriving, flourishing adults, yep. even when they're not married. You know, I think some of our younger singles confess that they feel like they won't be recognized in, as a, as an adult until they're married with a kid, and especially in the church. And that that's just really unfortunate. You know, they, they non-married adults have spiritual gifts just as much. And, and so I think, yeah, just language... Um, awareness and hospitality go a long way. And my, this is a very practical one. Don't try to set people up unless you ask them first. Don't just assume everybody's out there looking to get yeah. uh, like, hey, I'd love to meet somebody. Get to know them first. I try to make, hey, who are you dating? The last thing I ask about. I ask about family, job, and all that stuff. And we say, well, yeah, they will want to talk about dating, but you got to have to let them bring it to you before you uh, yeah. just uh, put it on them. So that's a very low-hanging fruit, uh, easy for everybody to do. Suzanne, we would love for our listeners to learn a little bit from you about what chaplaincy in a hospital is like. Some of them know that that we're working even now at Beeson to strengthen our curricular offerings in chaplaincy ministry. Mm -hmm. And as we do so, and we look to invite more people into this kind of work, we need to know more about it. What's it yeah. like? What opportunities does it afford for gospel witness? Mm. And do you like it? Yes. I'm so excited. Yes. I have really found a special niche of ministry um, in hospital chaplaincy that I didn't really know about, didn't know existed. Fortunately, haven't spent a whole lot of personal time in hospitals. And so haven't, didn't, you know, have a whole lot of need for a hospital chaplain in my life. However, it has been an incredibly enriching and challenging and humbling experience. It's so hospital chaplains, I've only worked at, at UAB, so I can speak about pastoral care in that specific context. And hospital chaplains are interdisciplinary teammates with just like every other kind of, you know, medical professional there. And we are, are charged with the responsibility to just offer emotional and spiritual support to patients, families, and staff. I would say that's kind of the very truncated summary of what we do. That looks different every single day, and it looks different in every single room. So that means a lot of what I do, if, if just thinking about tasks, I guess, a lot of what I do is sitting and listening with patients. We're brought in to a lot of crisis moments, as you can imagine. So if there's been a diagnosis or a, a death, or if there is a death impending, or if, you know, those those are definitely occasions in which a chaplain would be brought in. A lot of times nurses and medical staff may just need assistance with a, with a patient saying they maybe are in a 
particular emotional state that is needing a lot of attention and a lot of processing, a lot of conversation, and that we, we have time. Time is our currency. So that is the gift of this job is really being able to offer a ministry of presence with people. And it is, <laughs> to some, it might be maddening because there is no quantifiable way to measure what you're doing. Like, is it hap- is it good? Is it successful? I may not see this person again, but what that's required of me is uh, lots of things that I have learned and I am learning, but one is this deep dependence and trust on the Holy Spirit. It takes the responsibility in a, off of me in a lot of ways that's helpful. I am not there to produce anything. I'm not there to extract anything. I'm there to be present. And the better I can be present with a person, that's how I can do a good job. And so I feel like what chaplaincy does is it it's sort of an extension of Christ's ministry. It's a very specific ministry, but it is caring for the sick and caring for the vulnerable and bearing witness to someone's suffering in a way um, that I think Christ did in his ministry while he was here on earth. So that's some of what it looks like. I, I am very excited about it, so I could talk about it for a long time, but that is sort of the basics. That looks like sometimes talking about Jesus and praying. Sometimes that looks like talking with somebody about their grandchildren or talking with somebody about their their lifelong career in the military. You know, um, it looks like grieving with somebody. It looks like laughing with somebody. And, you know, it's, it's just um, being present, fully present with people in their challenging moments. For many, uh, one spouse might be called to vocational ministry, but both of you are called and engaged in pastoral ministry. And Jacob, you've already mentioned about how uh, Suzanne's ministry has impacted the way you do pastoral care in the church. So I'm just curious, what does it look like to minister uh, alongside one another, even even if you're in different spaces um, at times? But what does that look like, and how is each of your ministries strengthened the others. The this was a really hard part of our story. I felt called to ministry at age 14, and uh, and knew that's where the Lord was taking me. And as a single man, you know, you you just have your family and your friends that you process with. But I could move to London or move to Chicago on my own, not knowing a soul. Uh, and it looks very different with a wife, uh, and that's okay. So when we were, I was in Chicago when Suzanne was doing college ministry here in Birmingham. She was going to be the one that got away if I didn't do something about it. So I called her up and took uh, took her on a date and. Said, I think we should date to see if we should get married. And somehow she said yes to that, which was uh, really great. But when we decided to get married, we had a choice to make. Are we going to stay? Am I going to stay in Chicago and she move up? Or am I going to move down to Birmingham? And realizing that you both have these calls and, and they're deeply personal. You, know, you feel called by God and you've gone to school and you've got a job that Suzanne said, she had a dream job, right? And I'd felt called to move and loved this ministry up in Chicago. And we both had to get to a point where we could open our hands, not let go of our calling, but open our hands to what it might be and experience that together, which in the throes of planning a wedding and in the throes of all the logistics was really, really hard. A lot of uh, tears shed truly uh, of going through this together. Uh, because one person may hear directly from God and the other say, he hasn't told me that, you know, and I need him to, to tell me that as well. Um, and so it was a, a, a long process, but one that uh, we decided to go through together and it really brought trust in one another. And now mm-hmm. uh, we have 
We had a call as a single man and a call as a single woman, and now we're called together, uh, and we still daily talk mm-hmm. about what that looks like and what that might look for ministry in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's challenging. It really is. What would you say, Suzanne? Yeah, I, I, you're right. It's sort of an ongoing conversation. You know, I think it's been one of the greatest privileges and joys of my life to be able to share a ministry calling with a partner, both for him to understand what it's like for me to feel shaped and led for something specific, but also to be able to be a part of it with him, to have somebody that I can process this life with, you know, this strange and rewarding and challenging ministry life. It's, it is such a gift to have in a partner and I, I, it's a grace. I'm so thankful for it. But with that does come some really hard conversations, you know, because we're kind of stubborn too. So we have our opinions and we feel strongly about things. So neither one of us are really going to just kind of say, go with the flow and whatever, you know, we, we have heard from God in the past and we hear from God now. And so we, we do that together. And that looks like a lot of kind of exchanging ideas with each other and listening and, you know, even just ongoing praying for discernment that the Lord would lead us to things together. And he does, he has every time. I mean, it, that's, what's been, I think about even just in the short time we've been married, just, we have been able to see that God leads us together. He does not call one without calling the other to what is next. And I am so incredibly grateful for that, that I don't, I don't feel like God prioritizes one of our callings over the other. He says, no, you're better together. So I'm going to work this out to where you can be together and be on the same page. And so, yeah, I think that's been one of the greatest blessings too, is really being able to see God work, work. Maybe it's in different times, but he calls us to things together. So that's part of that has required us to increase our trust in one another and increase our trust in God Mm -hmm. who will lead us. And and thankfully now we have enough experience to know, oh, okay, we've been here before. God has called and he will call. Mm -hmm. Suzanne and I, this is going back a little bit, but uh, we dated for the first time when I was in my first year of seminary, but we broke up. Um, Heartbreaking. I have a lot of uh, professors I should apologize to for the bad papers I wrote because of the heartbreak that oh, I had experienced. Oh. No, 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 no. I, gonna, I would like me. to go ahead and apologize. <laughs> but, uh, but truly, we had always connected in this kind of spiritual level. Like I had admired her so much and then we both had felt and were working through this call to ministry and it's the thing that kind of brought us back together and it's the joy that we have mm. even now today. We had to mature a little bit, uh, a little bit from that time of meeting before we got married. That was nine years later almost. But it was, uh, uh, thank God it happened. And then uh, now we get to serve together, and it's a treat. Uh, in terms of how it inf- informs, I, I'm a better minister because Suzanne is a great minister and chaplain. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a better listener. I'm a better uh, observer. I don't feel like I have to go into a hospital and do too much, you know. But I do think that we've also figured out the different roles between a minister and a chaplain, and that if I go to visit someone, a member of our church who's sick and um, I do need to be praying. I do need to be um, asking them questions, reading the Bible. Suzanne does not have that responsibility. She has to kind of listen to the Holy Spirit to see if that's appropriate and a thing that we should do. And so it's one of those things where a chaplain is not an evangelistic job to go in there. And it's a, it's a listening job and finding where the Spirit allows you to go, whereas I have kind of a different role as a minister to, to go and pray and care in a different way. They look similar in many ways, but they are pretty distinct, which is something I would not have known until Suzanne became a, a chaplain. Jacob and Suzanne, some of the people listening to us know that we featured you this year in our new video marketing campaign that we called Who You Become. 
what kind of experience was that for you? And more importantly, how has God used Beeson Divinity School to help you become who you've become and who you're becoming? Yeah, it was a great experience. I did figure out that I'm arm candy to this uh, to this uh, operation. Jenkins, the trophy, my trophy husband. Exactly, because <laughs> Suzanne is the one that I know you wanted to feature, and I got dragged along, and I am delighted to be here. Uh, you just have arm. such a cute face. Well, that's it. I'm happy to do it. I'm happy to do it. It was a great experience. We love Beeson. We love Beeson. And we talk yes. about it all the time. And to be able to have that experience, though we we were not married when we were in school together, we did have very similar experiences that shaped us. And truly, just to have that shortcut in conversation of, you remember like, and fill in the blank, and you say, oh, yes, 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 mm-hmm. has been really, really helpful. Yeah, I... it was a great experience, Kristen. Thank you for including us in that. And we are um, just such fans of this place. And... I think we are so, so loyal to Beeson because of what we experience God do here. And in my life, I can't speak exactly for Jacob, but I I learned to love God's word in a in an entirely new way, different way, more fully developed way. And um, I became more certain of my call to ministry here. I love, love, love the interdenominational piece about Beeson. I feel like I have such a, you know, deep appreciation for the various Christian traditions and, and how those have evolved and developed. And I have a deep respect for my fellow colleagues and ministers and friends that belong to these different denominations. And Beeson just does such a great job of, of integrating that. And the, the truly the community that I formed, like the friendships that I formed at Beeson um, continue to be some of the people that I lean on in ministry that I call on and process things with that, that network has just been invaluable. So I, there's, those are just a few of the things right off the bat that I, you know, can't say enough about that was just the Lord was so kind to give me those things at a season in my life that I didn't even know I needed, didn't know I would need, but he gave me this sacred time to just be focused on studying and and put a community around me to do that with and it it, it just it made such a huge difference in my my formation as a Christian and a minister. No question. It's uh, you come in with this kind of eager heart but without a whole lot of skills and you leave with a confidence that Hey, I can open God's word, and the Lord will speak to me, and and um, I and He will use that to speak to His people and encourage His people. Mm-hmm. Uh, every time I preach, I use the same outline <laughs> that we learned in our preaching class, and then He jumps off from there. Things that I didn't know, I remember from my time in class, or time in mentoring groups, or time in chapel, uh, and the right moment just pops up, and like, oh yeah, that was in there. That was part of my experience that now you utilize in ministry context. It absolutely shaped, give you confidence, give you uh, the critical skills and the um, empathetic skills Um, in my denomination currently it seems to appear to lack some charity that we learned here uh, in these halls and how to care for other people and respect other people regardless of the kind of second third tier differences that uh, really shaped Mm -hmm. us and, and guides a lot of our conversations when we talk about the church as a whole as we get ready to end we would love to hear about just ways that god is at work in your life right now um maybe something that he has been teaching you through scripture um anything that would encourage our listeners uh, in their walks of life 
Um, God speaks to me through Suzanne, so I'm going to let her go first. <laughs> Holy. <laughs> um, yeah, you can't take that. You can't take that either. Um, I, I think so. Part of the rest of my story is that I we have two little kids right now, and I work very part time at the hospital. And I think one of the things that the Lord, over the last two to three years, has really been working on me and yeah, just offering me is is freedom for my ministry calling to look different in different seasons of my life. Mm -hmm. And that has been, it sounds like such a lovely lesson to learn, but it has come very challenging. I think, um, you know, motherhood is such a gift and I'm so, so, so grateful that I, that I am a mom and that I get to raise these children with Jacob. And it has already taught me more than I could have ever imagined. And we're only a few years in, but yet it has come, it has required, um, the surrender of, of something else for the time. And, but the Lord in his kindness has also allowed me to maintain this ministry with, with chaplaincy. And so I've just had to daily, you know, monthly, sometimes seasonally, whatever, accept this, this is what it looks like right now to be called to ministry. It, it means raising kids. And it also means a ministry outside the home. And both of those things can exist. And the Lord, the Lord has not forgotten and the Lord has not um, removed the call to ministry just because I am a mom. Um, it's it's informing, it's enhancing my ministry outside the home and vice versa. So I would encourage listeners if they feel, you know, like they maybe they're in a phase where they can't really pursue a call to ministry or the ministry they're doing isn't paying them <laughs> or giving them insurance. You know, the Lord, if the Lord has called you to ministry, he is going to allow you to care for people and, and minister to people. Um, it just is going to look different in different seasons. And so, um, that's just, there's lots more to that, but that's kind of the, the recent journey, I guess, that the Lord's kind of has me on. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think in a similar way for us, waiting on the Lord and for his leading and for his calling, uh, parenthood is stretching our patience and we're practicing every day on how to be patient. And that means patience with our kids and patience with one another, but also waiting on the Lord in a holy way. He has showered us with blessings and he's led every step of the way. And we have a real temptation. I know I do to get ahead of him, to get the plan, to figure out what's next. And um, though we may be praying for that, we have to wait on him because we don't want to go somewhere that he's not called us to. So we have to we have to do that. And that's uh, we've been married six and a half years now, and we've gotten some practice in that. But we'll definitely need more and continue to do that. I'd also would, would be remiss if I didn't say in the previous question about Suzanne and how she's shaped me as a minister. There are things that. Uh, for our single adults, single women in particular, Suzanne and I could get up and say the exact same thing, truly the exact same thing. And the young women in the room will hear it from Suzanne in a way that would never hear it from me. And so for our ministry, especially to singles, utilizing Suzanne and just the female presence and the female voice and somebody that they can connect to in a unique way when they may not to their pastor, but they would to their Sunday school teacher or to their friend, I have to uh, remember to use that and lean on that as a vital piece of my ministry to our people. You have been listening to a wonderful ministry couple, Jacob and Suzanne Simmons, both of whom are graduates of Beeson Divinity School. We are very proud to say Jacob is minister to single adults and uh, is responsible for pastoral care at Shades Mountain Baptist Church here in Birmingham. Suzanne is a chaplain at UAB Hospital here in Birmingham. 
They have two children. They are a beautiful family, and they are beautiful witnesses to our Lord Jesus Christ. Mm. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in. Goodbye for now. You've been listening to the Beeson Podcast. Our theme music is written and performed by Advent Birmingham of the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama. Our engineer is Rob Willis. Our announcer is Mike Pascarello. Our co-hosts are Doug Sweeney and myself, Kristen Padilla. Please subscribe to the Beeson Podcast at BeesonDivinity.com slash podcast or on iTunes.